Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the third episode of the Marginally Offside podcast. It's been a big week in the Premier League, uh, Manchester United obviously going top. In today's episode, we'll be talking about that. We'll be reviewing the FA Cup. And after getting three out of four predictions right last episode, Mystic Luke will give you some bet, bet tips for this weekend. But without further ado, let's get into our first talking point, which is going to be the FA Cup. Um, there were some cracking games in the in the FA Cup last weekend. Wh- which one stands out for you? Surely. Do you think that stands out? I mean, I think the thing with that is, is it's an anti-climax. Because in a few years, well, maybe in like, 15 years, you'll see, oh, Chorley are in the FA Cup first round. The last time they were uh, in the FA Cup proper, they knocked out Derby County in the third round. And you're like, wow. And then you realise uh, they were probably actually favourites to win uh, because Derby, unfortunately, had to play their kids. I do... It is funny, though, because think... if you'd had a bet on that before the COVID news, you'd have made some pretty decent money, mate. So, yeah, I did, it's a shame, really. I did predict that as a potential shark. I, think... I mean, Derby aren't in the finest of form and I mean Chorley have been have done it against uh, two league opposition already this season so I thought there's a potential for banana skin there um, my other prediction was Stockport okay. West Ham which was also quite close which I'm quite happy I predicted those two as a shot I think there was four that were very nearly cup shocks really wasn't there there was Stockport did tremendously well against West Ham um, Newport, that last minute drama in a game that really had not had a lot yeah. saying for it. Um, but, uh, well, I guess Blackpool, oh, MK Dons, of course, they really should have hung on there. Um, and I guess you'd say Blackpool beating West Brom, if you think that's oh. that's impressive. Well, obviously, Crawley West Brom as well, were all... The Crawley game was interesting, I've got to say, but West Brom was shocking. I West mean, Brom were really shocked. West Brom are a team down on confidence. And I mean, last season, you know, I don't think they've improved much from last season personally. And they couldn't they couldn't beat Charlton last season. We drew against them both games and, you know, um, we're not much better than Blackpool. So it, it wasn't think, too think... much of a surprise to me that, that they did lose to um, Blackpool, especially when they're so low on confidence. I West they... Brom are down. West Brom are down in the league, let alone the FA Cup. They're gone. They were... It was awful. I think... Allardyce does just throw Allardyce does just throw the cups cups away though he's not bothered about the FA Cup at all so and it wasn't their best team I mean the fact that uh, Lee Peltier is a Premier League footballer in 2021 I said this sorry I, if you said this last week me, but what on earth is he doing before. there he's he's shocking the squad is shocking Sam keeps going on about all this transfer business they're supposedly doing I don't see how he can get anyone of real quality in this window to keep him up I think they're gone when he signed Snodgrass that's a weird one though that he's what 33 34 well he's been told he's not he's not playing at West Ham so he's gone for that but uh, they they signed someone else they're they're trying trying loads of people but whether they'll get any across the lines is a Interesting one. They sold they sell Higazi at the start of the season. And apparently that wasn't Slavin's choice. Yeah, that was like the... They just got rid of Higazi. So, it's... Yeah. West Brom are a very, very weird club. They were always a yo-yo club when we were growing up. And to be honest, I think they're going down again. They, they were, but a lot's changed since then, hasn't it? That You know, they had eight successive years in the, the top yeah, flight Yeah, but this is then, the start of so... the yo-yo club again. That team is shocking. 
Well, that's Mystic Dan there for you. Any Baggies fans listening, I'm sure. Dan yeah, most of my family are West Brom fans, oh, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. So that's, that is a shame. <laughs> shame for them. It would. Um, is that how quickly we've gone on to the, the uh, Premier League oh, no, from the to, FA Cup? I uh, talk briefly about the Marine game. What did you make of that? I, I think, to be fair to Tottenham, they, they turned up and they showed respect by picking a pretty solid team. But I'll tell you what, 5-0 is it's a pretty solid result for Marine. I think they did very well. Um, you know, It could have been one the last. I mean, that would have been some fairy tale if that, that one dipped under Joe Hart's bar. Um but yeah, they also managed to sell 30,000 virtual tickets, which, you know, is, is amazing um, considering the circumstances. And, you know, that's that's probably set them for a few years when fans will probably be allowed back in 2028 20, or whatever. And they might be set until then. Though. Well, fair play to the Spurs fans because the Spurs yeah. fans were what, the ones that helped get that out, really. Um, so fair play to them. As opposed to the game... The game was... I, I was really hoping he was going to pick a weaker team. Like you said, it was... a Huge respect was shown to Marine with the fact he turned up with a with a very strong team, um, not their Premier League first team, but a team that's capable of dispatching Marine with some ease. I mean, I think they, I think that was nine full internationals on show. And exactly. I know, I know, it's hard to judge, but I thought Deli Ali did did have a very good game. He dominated the game, but you know, he is playing a plumber and a bin man and all that chat. So, but he got subbed as well. That's what I didn't get. Is um. I can't remember who it was. It was the playing alongside him. Had a shocker. And he got... Deli Ali was the one that got took I think took it's off. more about just giving the young kids a chance when you're 5-0 up against 8th tier opposition. You know, get get the 16-year-old kid on and he gets his first goal and he becomes Tottenham's youngest ever goal scorer. You know, he's got that for the rest of his life if he does inevitably end up playing for Swindon Town in League One, which is where a lot of nice. Tottenham players seem to go. Um, well, at least it's not Scunthorpe. But there you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. Well, I don't think he will play. I think as well. They Demi. I don't do. think if he's taking him off to rest him for a Premier League game, fair enough. But no, uh, we, we've we've already we've already spoke about Demi. Maybe one of them, being how cynical Jose is, is he saw he was doing well and he was like, well, he's he's if he keeps doing this, people are going to be asking him to start in the league. And after that draw with Fulham, perhaps even more so. And maybe because Ali didn't get the whole the whole game. Um, Maybe that's quashed some of the the noise that would have made. I think I think uh, from that game, I think the only annoying thing really was how the the first two goals were tappings for Tottenham, and they weren't even. They were very fortunate they scored them. Actually, you know, if you think that first one, the guy miscontrols yeah. it, which completely wrong foots <laughs> the goalie. It's like if if the first goal had been was it yeah. the third one. That Vinicius. which was a really good goal. That I think you would have, yeah, I think you would have held your hands up and gone right. Okay, that's what we're playing against. To go two 0 down because of two tappings was a bit yeah. Just a shame it wasn't a real contest, wasn't it? Because everyone was. I was really hoping they were going to get one and make it a little bit cagey, but but no, it was, it was comfortable. Yeah. I, I think so, from would that not have been one of the biggest oh, shocks ever if they'd actually? I imagine if they held on to a result, it'd have been the biggest shock. If, Ever without a doubt. If they weren't one 0 up, it would have been it would have been probably the greatest FA Cup goal of all time. If it was the goal that, you know, hit the bar, you know, that that would have gone down in FA Cup history. They'd be playing that at the start of the FA Cup like third round games on BBC for the next forty years or whatever, if that one had gone in. This this would have been great, but also a shame because there was no fans there to experience it. But moving on a bit from uh 
the results, looking ahead to the draw. I think, obviously, uh, oh, Alex, Alex, you've got to be happy with uh, the draw for the Papa John's trophy. But the um, <laughs> FA Cup draw, Dan, God, that, that's definitely a big one in the fourth round. One to look forward to, Manchester United versus Liverpool. One of the big guns is, is going to go out pretty relatively early on in the Cup. I hate Peter Crouch. I absolutely hate Peter Crouch. Like you could not have given us a as a worse draw. It means we play Liverpool twice in the space of a week. Yeah. I to be to be honest, I think whoever wins the league game probably loses the cup game. I think you've got kind of like the old cliche, you have to beat the best to win the tournament. So you'd end up playing if you want to win it, you'd arguably end up playing Liverpool at some point, whether it's the fourth round or the final. But I mean I it's it's weird. I mean I'm sure you would love to win the FA Cup, but would you mind losing, getting knocked out? Liverpool having to play those, what, like five extra games this season and you can maybe focus a bit more and rest a bit more for the uh, Premier League title push? I'm not sure he'd play a very strong team in the FA Cup, though. He seems to have thrown it every single every single year, really. Um, I mean, they got lucky last year early on against uh, Everton when he played the kids and Curtis Jones scored that screamer. But he, he doesn't seem to value the FA Cup. And I understand why when they're going for the first league title, well, when they were going for the first league title in God knows how many years. Um, yeah, I do. I just don't want to keep reminding myself. Um, but it's it's a tough one because, like we said last week, United being title challengers. If we lose to Liverpool on Sunday and we lose to Liverpool in the FA Cup, you know, that's we're no longer top. Um, City would go ahead with, with games in hand by two points, I think, if they won them all. Um, and then, yeah, no no FA Cup. So then you go, oh, is he now under pressure? It's just it's just a bit... This season is crazy. I'd love to go far in the FA Cup. I'd love to beat them in the league, but I don't think I'm going to get both. So it's hard to choose. Um, obviously, the, it's a, there's a greater chance of us winning the FA Cup than there is the league, in my opinion. So... Do you go where there's more likely to be silverware, potentially? Um, but it's they're two good games. Listen, if we were in stadiums now, it would be unbelievable. Um, I'd absolutely love to be there on Sunday and I'd love to be there next week in the Cup. So yeah, that's a real shame. I think as a neutral, it's definitely, in my opinion, the tie of the round. We'll probably do a more thorough review of the FA Cup fourth round when it when it comes time. But there, there's a couple more that catch the eye: Cheltenham, Manchester City, and oh, their cut runs are fixed. West, West Ham, Doncaster. That's that's a definite potential banana skin right there. You know, West Ham, Doncaster's got a two-one win, two-one win for Doncaster written all over it. Yeah, I, I I I don't know too much about the history of Manchester City's draws, but as, as soon as that got drawn out, instantly the reaction was, you know, that it's fixed. They always get the easy draws. They do. They 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 do. Go back since Pep Guardiola has been manager of Man City. Go back through their draws in the domestic cup competitions. It's a joke. It's a joke. Just swings and roundabouts though, because they always used to get they always used to get the same t- hard team in the Champions. Yeah, but I think the think you a for hate them. I don't know, apparently. You A for hate oh, Man City. Right. Oh, right. Whatever. But, um, and the FA... Yeah, so yeah. So yeah the, the FA, FA, the FA love, love the oil so... money, clearly. Or the, the shake money. Didn't, didn't Man City get an easy draw on the Papa John's trophy this year? They're under 23s. Got a pretty easy draw. I have no idea, actually, if they're even in it, to be honest. I really hope, that, I hope they had Sunderland if they were in it. <laughs> I can't remember. We, not, we, not, we knocked them out the last time this tournament was actually completed. Which, which I mean, I mean, it's changing the conversation slightly, 
I think we beat them 4-2 and we were obviously one of the better League One sides. But I, I thought Man City was actually a bit of a banana skin, but perhaps they're, yeah. no kids are good enough as seasoned pros. But obviously that that's sort of conversation in the FA Cup. Man City, you know, they, they'll chuck, um, you know, Rory Delap's son and probably a few others in for this trip to, to Gloucestershire and you'd expect them to still win about 3 or 4 nil. Klopp, he doesn't normally try with the FA Cup. Would he risk it losing to Man U or is he really not that bothered about losing to Man U? Uh, not in the league. about fans there. Um, Chelsea, Luton, they're all... They're all they yeah. they'll probably put some kids in if they can as well. So it's it's yeah, and that's a bit sceptical, isn't it? Though <laughs> no, I'm sure they'll play every, all the big stars, yeah. so everyone can watch. They them. need BBC to because it's the only decent games of the season are in the FA Cup against lower league opposition. Uh, to be fair, to our lad, he's still recovering from long COVID, so I know how he feels. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be. Alex, I would like to talk a bit about the Papa John's trophy at some point, maybe later on in this episode. But one shock that we did mention, or semi-shock, depends how you want to look at it, is uh, Chorley versus Derby County. And obviously there's been some pretty big news about Derby County earlier today. And that is, of course, that Wayne Rooney has now retired from playing football and is going to become permanent manager of Derby County. Uh, do, you, do you think that's a good move for them going forward? I, I think we talked briefly about uh, players as managers Last week, I think I think potentially I don't see Wayne Rooney being the finest manager, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. But I do think you know he's he's a guy who can call in some favors and get some very good loan deals, which is a, a very big part of Championship football is getting those top um, top Premier League loan deals, as many clubs have, pro- have proven down the years. So yeah, what do you two think on that? Oh, he's after Phil Jones, isn't he? That's that'd be a very interesting signing. Jesus Christ, if he gets Phil Jones in and keeps him fit, that could be potentially a very shrewd loan or permanent signing for Derby County. Is that a... I, I think we have just jumped in with something that definitely <laughs> won't happen, though, haven't we? Like, Derby have been struggling to pay. Derby haven't paid their yeah, players this month yet. Uh, we, I don't see why they're going to go get a 80 <laughs> so this, a week Phil Jones. This is another thing, I guess. Um, if Derby and, can't pay their wages right now how are the players going to feel playing under a manager who I suspect is probably one of the highest paid managers in the league right now I know supposedly Derby don't pay their wages but I'd imagine he's on a ton of money and the players he's got to boost are players earning nothing right now Oh, his his money's paid by the sponsorship deal isn't it well I don't know what what's happening now he's become a manager um whether it's still paid by the betting company or not. I, I haven't really looked into the finer details there. But, you know, it's it's one of them things where, you know, if you're a kid on a grand a grand a week, which in the football world isn't that big, and you're not even getting paid that, and then your manager's earning millions a year, like, would you not just be yeah. fuming and not want to play under him? The, the, well, the, the thing is with Derby, they've brought quite a few kids kids through in the last year. Like that, um Sibley, I think he's about 17 and he's been scoring quite a few goals for him. But because of Derby's money problems, they've been saying they might be forced to sell some of the kids this month. So perhaps mm. Rooney won't be able to call in as many favours as he'd like. But the thing is with Rooney is I think a lot of people didn't think he was um, could maybe the kind of character that should be a manager. But ultimately, you've got to look at his results. And he's only lost two of his nine games. And 
he did get them out the um, relegation zone, and I think they've only just gone into it. All right, they lost to Sheffield Wednesday, but they went into it because they have a, a couple of games in hand, don't they? Oh yeah, they got a game in hand. So, in terms of getting the results, he had got a few draws at the start that left it a bit skeptical. But you know, you've still got you got Sheffield Wednesday down there needing a manager. You've got Rotherham that have slipped a bit. You've got Wickham back down at the bottom, whilst another one or two look to try and pull away. Forest are looking to pull away. They're now unbeaten in five. Obviously, we're more looking at their their uh, neighbours down the Brian Clough way. But uh, in terms of all you can do is judge people on results. And he's lost two of his nine games. Maybe that's a, a short-term uplift. But, you know, there's, it's a... It's a slog at the bottom of the championship. Rooney's going to find that out and there's no better place for him to cut his teeth in this situation, is there, really? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's a great job for him to take. Absolutely. I you, mean, it, You say that it's, it's a great job for him, but, you know, the... Well, a, they're not relegation fodder. Well, they, they so, are in a huge relegation battle right now. Yeah, exactly. But if he keeps them up, then he looks he looks like he's but if he, done a job there. If he goes just, down, if he goes down, is that, oh, pretty, not, is that, is that an Alan Shearer end of his managerial <laughs> if, if career? If they already? went down, there's, there's no way down, they're going down. The only there's thing no you way. could say about it, which would be swept under the carpet, is that the season only started in September and he's been in charge since November. So he will have actually had more than half the season. Also, don't pr- don't think all of it. I don't think their squads as as good as you might think for Derby County right now. They've got a few talented players, but I mean, have they got Colin Cousin Richards? He, How many clubs has he been? Well, he mentioned talented players, Dan. But uh, I mean, one interesting <laughs> move they did they they did confirm the, the other day. I think it was yesterday. They've let Jack Marriott. So he scored a couple of goals at the start of the season. And then they sent him on loan to Sheffield Wednesday. He got injured there, went back to Derby to get fit. Oh. But even with Sheffield Wednesday and Derby being exactly the same position, and you think not wanting to give them any help, Derby said, yeah, Jack Merrick can stay at Sheffield Wed. Is that not a very short-sighted move? Is that a wage, a wage decision, do you think? I mean, I'm not sure who Derby brought in at the end of the last transfer window that meant he desperately had to go when he'd been playing uh, the first few games. But you would think that unless, I mean, if they're that tight to financial fair play, then obviously they've got bigger problems. But, you know, I guess from the outside looking in, he's shown that he can score a few goals before. There was a lot of hype about him at Peterborough. So was that really the wisest decision, letting him stay at Wednesday? Yeah, I, I think I, I it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I, Personally, don't like Derby County, but I would like to see Wayne Rooney do well as a manager. I respect him a lot, but yeah, um, respect respect mm. his footballing ability rather than his personal life. But that's not even that. It's, it's, it's the fact that some people well, well, I was going to say some people think he's a United legend, but I have opinions on that that we won't go into now. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, moving moving on now from the Championship. Let's go. Let's do what hopefully England can do in the next weeks and uh, move up a tier to the uh, Premier League. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about what's been going on in the Premier League. There's limited transfers, but you know the big story is obviously Manchester United are now top of the Premier League after winning their game in hand. But one thing I wanted With to a three point gap, be- three point. Before gap. we touch on that, one thing I would like to just briefly mention is Bruno Fernandez. Um, 
I, I love him as a player. I, I don't like Man U, but I love Bruno Fernandes. But obviously what blew my mind in the news today is that he has now picked up his fourth Premier League player of the month, which equals, you know, some greats like Thierry Henry and Frank Lampard. And, and that, that just blew my mind. Like, is that showing the Premier League is in decline that Bruno Fernandes is winning as many as players like Thierry Henry or is he just really that good? He's world-class. He's equaled Cristiano Ronaldo's record as well. He's world. Cl- he's probably, I've said this before, he's probably the best number 10 or attacking midfielder in the world right now, bar none. I think the f- De, Bruyne, De Bruyne, if he's fit, is, is probably a shade better, but he's not been fit and he's definitely yeah. not been firing. Bruno is just unbelievable to watch. He really is. I think the thing that makes him so likeable as well is just his passion and desire. I, I really do do like to see that. It might might be a bit old fashioned, but you know he's always getting in there. He's, he's you know you know giving it a mouthful to his own players if they're not pulling their weight. And you know I think he'll make a great club captain someday, and maybe great captain oh, of the Portuguese team when uh, Cristiano himself steps down. You know they've got an, he's, he's not up and coming because he's not that young, but you know they got that talent when he. He's more of a captain than Maguire, absolutely. And he reminds me a bit of Wayne Rooney, actually, because he is constantly in the ref's ear. If Bruno Fernandes gets a yellow card, it's generally for dissent. It's not for a bad tackle. It's pretty pretty consistently for dissent, um, which could be interesting on Sunday if things don't go his way. Um, yeah, I... But yeah, he is world-class. He's absolutely world-class. As well on that, are you kind of solely crediting him for your kind of massive uptick in fortunes um, from January last year to now? Or do you, do you think there's more more to play than that? More at play? I think, I, I think there's a bit of both, really. I think without Bruno Fernandes, we, we definitely wouldn't have had the upturn in form that we probably have done. I was of the opinion that we needed probably five or six players. Um, but when one player comes in and, and elevates you as much as he has, you, you start to think maybe we only need a couple. Um, I mean, he has been the consistent shining light for the last 12 months. Um, he's carried the team. And actually, uh, in the last couple of games, he's not been that great. Um, but he still he still gets an assist or he nicks a goal or someone someone is able to pick up the slack where he's, he's not quite performing. And that's the big difference. Last year, we'd... We relied solely on Bruno Fernandes, but Pogba's now recovered from long COVID. I mean, Rashford's injured a little bit, so he's been off the ball recently. Martial's not been in great form, but you've got people like Cavani. Um, Eric Bailly's come back into the team and looks like an absolute world-beater. De Gea's picked up his form this year. It's, it's a lot of things, but definitely the catalyst for the big change, I'd say, is Bruno Fernandes. He's been ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, you are, of course, uh, top of the league. However, you are third favourites for the league and quite far behind Manchester City and Liverpool still. I, I think that could all change this weekend if you did manage to get three points. Um, but what are you thinking? Are you, do you think you can nick that? I, th- I think from my point of view, I think that's probably going to be a, a very close game. Um, I will expect Liverpool to edge the play, but I, I, I think it's going to end up being a draw, really. It's tough because I'd I'd take a draw now, um, and to keep that three point gap. Obviously, that means that if City win their games in hand, they're ahead of us, and I make City favourites for the league. But it does remind me a little bit of when we played Liverpool under Mourinho in his second season, and we were flying. I think we'd won seven of our eight first eight games. Liverpool were were really struggling, 
and we went to Anfield and we put ten men behind the ball, and we I think had one shot, one shot all game, and Lukaku put it wide. Um, so it's I want to see us go there and really have a go at them because they've got no fit defenders. Like go and have a go. If we lose, we lose. So be it. But go and put on a show and attack them because there are goals to be had against this yeah, football I, team at the minute. They are fragile. Do you think it's a good time to play them, especially with all the defensive injuries? It will be interesting to see who starts a centre-back for them because, you know, I, I don't think um, Reese Williams has particularly shone the world alight, but at the same time, I'm not sure they have much choice. They've tried uh, Jordan Henson back there and that didn't work too well either. So, it'll be interesting to see who they play. They're not going to sign them. They've said they're not going to sign um, anyone, haven't they? They said they can't find anyone to actually spend money on. And to be honest, it, I mean, I'm trying to think who their defenders are, to be honest. Van Dyke is the injured one, obviously. Joe Gomez is out injured. Matip. And, well, I, I don't know. Is, they let Lovren go. Have Liverpool not prepared here? Did they Did they replace Lovren? No. No, they, they didn't. Okay. No, they, oh, the same with Man City, isn't it, really? They didn't replace them in terms of quality or the numbers. And they're letting a few kids play there, but obviously, you know, you don't really anything with kids, so you might as well <laughs> chuck all of them in and see what happens. Well, I think I think Henderson will probably play there. Um, and the interesting one's Trent, actually, whether Trent plays. Because Rashford has... I know Rashford's not been on form recently, but Rashford does seem to always get the better of Trent when they play one-on-one against each other. So that would be an interesting match-up. Um, and yeah, Liverpool, a bit like City when Laporte was out for most of the season and obviously they didn't replace company adequately. Liverpool is struggling and they're probably going to pay for it. Um, I think City are probably my favourites now for the league. They've just got so much strength in depth that even if they have a couple of injuries, they can still win games comfortably. Because Liverpool seem to be struggling a little bit, which is... Well, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? They've had three years of being exceptional. Hmm. Um, obviously, and they've only won one league said, title. But when people you know. said Manu might be in a false position, that's a, a quote from Jason McAteer. Could it be argued that uh, Liverpool were in a false position when they were top, with everyone assuming it was back to business for them? I think so. I also think City's probably the biggest false position when they were down mid-table. I think the where are they now? Are they sixth? The third. The third. With a game the third, in hand. Well. I thought they were, uh, they, maybe they were sixth before they won the last yeah. game. It was it Brighton? It was Brighton last night. Which wasn't it? as uh, free scoring as you might think a, a City Brighton game would be. Um, 1 0. Sterling was not too convincing, but you know, a sign of true champions grinding out those results, as the old adage would say. It's another clean sheet. They'll take it. They'll take it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good result. Um, in terms of transfers, the Premier League's been uh, pretty quiet. Um, Ozil linked to Fenerbahce, um, which is a, a good move for Fenerbahce. I, I've, it's a bit disappointing the way it's panned out for him at Arsenal, um, especially the last couple of years where he's kind of been dropped because of um, speaking up for what he believes and speaking up for human rights. Um, but that's probably yeah. something for a human rights podcast rather than a football podcast. But yeah, it's it's a shame. And um, I guess the biggest transfer this week is Sebastian Haller leaving West Ham for Ajax um, for, you know, nearly half of what West Ham paid for him. Um, he's obviously gone to score in his Ajax debut. I'm sure he'll be happy to get away because he's had a pretty torrid time at West Ham after smashing it for Bayer Leverkusen. And he's already off to a good start for Ajax. Um, I think West Ham's... Um, 
Transfer policy is very questionable, you could argue. I think their trust transfer policy is an absolute disgrace. They let Dean Garner go to a to West Brom at the start of the season, which was just odd, seeing as they were, he was like their prospect. I think Sebastian Haller was a a bit dodgy, and I think he played for Eintracht Frankfurt, didn't he? Not by Leverkusen. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it, I think it was Eintracht Frankfurt, but um, he yeah he was smashing it in Germany, and then he came to West Ham and and didn't seem to fit Moyes' system, and that's a sh- that's a shame, really. But who have they signed for big money that, that's that been a success? They signed Felipe Anderson. He's now out on loan somewhere. Um, Saeed Benrahma was kind of like, I guess, the reason why you could say the Dean Garner deal wasn't a big deal because they've gone and bought um, Benrahma. Uh, he's not, and he's been benched he, a lot. He is on loan, isn't he? Um, with the option to buy, I think. So if he doesn't play well, I guess they cannot exercise that obligation. Um, well, I've just, I've just looked at West Ham's most expensive signings ranked. Sebastian Allaire was 15th. I take it that's his... Yeah, he's... Andre Ayew, Enna Valencia. Oh, Enna Valencia. That's when they had um, Diafra Sacco. Yeah, Andre Yarmolenko. That's he's a shocker. Yeah, he is still there. Yeah, he is. He's, yeah. He is. He's, he's, he's been there he's for He's always years. in. And now he's, he's a good player. I think... Javier Hernandez, Andy Carroll, Pablo Fornells. He's been crap since he's been there. Idris, uh, um, it's a Diop. He's a few months. The thing is, they seem to get quite unlucky with injuries as well because Lanzini was flying until he got an injury and then just kept getting injured. Um, Rice Rice is off in the summer. God, sorry, Luke. I was just going to say, I think the thing with West Ham is what is their, their kind of best bet in any season? I think for them, realistically, like, Europa League is, is a stretch. It's pushing it a bit far. And they're 10th this season. I don't think they're doing too badly. So you could argue that the board hasn't performed too badly. I know the fans are very anti-board, anti-Moyes, but they're, they're not having a bad season. Um, you know, they haven't got the best transfer policy. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do try and replace Hal at this window because they are obviously now quite uh, fragile up top. Oh, they've got no one, have they? Who have they got up front? Antonio. <laughs> Is that it? Mikel Antonio. Suchek scoring all the goals to win. He's yeah. man. Yeah, but he's a he's a centre defensive midfield player, isn't he? Yeah, I think I think they're going yeah. to have to somehow get someone pretty decent in. If they've let Halle go, I'd imagine they have got someone lined up. Thought... They got Jared well, Bowen, I, haven't they? I thought it was um Moussa Dembele they'd lined up. They seem to be linked with him a lot, and he's obviously gone to Atletico. Which actually, I actually think is the biggest deal of the transfer window so far. Yeah, but, it was on alone, wasn't it? Which probably shows what the, the this time. They've of course got yeah, and we we do, we are slating their policy, but then we're also forgetting one of the cracking loan deals they did get on, did sign this year. Of course, um, uh, no one really understands how how they got a scoop like this, but. Craig Dawson on loan from Watford, fair play. Oh, I mean, he scored in the <laughs> FA Cup, and you know, spared them some embarrassment. So maybe he was worth that, worth that loan. But yeah, I mean, I can't think uh, of a good signing West Ham have made since Dimitri well, Payet, and that t- yeah. that turned out pretty. Is badly. Winston Reid back from his? So, I think you have to say Winston. Oh, I was going to say, is Winston Reid back from his six-year injury? Yeah, or is is he still ruled out? Is he still he, there? He, he, he is still, there, still a West Ham player. Yeah. What the actual? 
How? He went on to <laughs> somewhere in America, I think. How is he still a West Ham? I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? That really does say it all about their their policy. If they're still at Winston Reid on the books, I mean, Apparently I can't I can't played, talk. But Apparently you know. he hasn't played a game for him three since seventeen. Doesn't surprise me. Phil Jones has played more recently for United than that. Last season in the FA Cup against, I think it was Rochdale. He's scored enough well. talking about West Ham's transfer policy. Um, Winston Reid's transfer in 2010 was actually um, the subject of a big dispute between West Ham and FC Michelin in the Danish Superliga as West Ham withheld the fee. Um, so fair play. It's been going back years, dodgy dealings. I mean, since the Tevez and Mascherano oh, days, things haven't been quite uh, quite as they seem at West Ham, have they? I mean, I'm genuinely more interested in the women's team signings than the uh, than the men's team signings because of that BBC documentary. They seem to actually be making good signings that are hoping to elevate them, whereas the West Ham men's team just don't seem to care. When they sell Declan Rice in the summer, they're in serious, serious bother. I think that... Because they're they're not going to replace him. They'll try and replace him. I think they'll spend spend relatively big in the summer. You know, they got this. I mean, it's not loads, but twenty million for Haller, and I mean, they'll probably get like thirty, forty for Rice. And I mean, they they spent big on um, players the last few seasons. I think they'll do the same again. Um, But yeah, I mean, moving on from West Ham, uh, one thing I did want to talk about a little bit. it's something that people might not know too much about, but um, something that Alex is passionate about, and uh, that is the um, EFL Papa John's Trophy. I think, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's basically a tournament for League One and League Two clubs and um, Premier League and Championship Academies. Um, the overall uh, the overall tournament is it's a very strange one. You're forcing these League One clubs to play against the Premier League academies. It's it's a bit patronising, but arguably it's it's good for the youngsters of the Premier League teams to go and get some experience. Uh, Alex, how, how do you feel about it? I know for me it's very frustrating because I remember that there was a time when Charlton's academy and the 23s were one of the best, one of the best in the country, top 20, not one of the best, top 20, and you know. Our senior team was being forced to play Watford under 23s who were below our under 23s in the under 23 table. And it's, it's just a, a bit of a farce, really. Yeah, the, I mean, I think Sunderland, especially, I think they might be the only team since they rebranded it into the under 21s to have had the under 21s and the first team play in this tournament, which might sum that up a bit. Was it back to back seasons as well? We had two seasons as under twenty ones, and then we've had the last three as the seniors. <laughs> this is crazy, um, which, which is incredible. But um, I mean, I mean, I can say what I want about it, and then just be purely hypocritical. You know, when it got to the the, the uh, morning of the the game when we got to the final uh, in two thousand and nineteen, and losing not on penalties at the end of the day, most of these clubs, even unfortunately, even ones the size of Sunderland, Charlton, Nipswich. They're not. They're not going to get anywhere in the in the league or FA Cup. So, if this is our route to Wembley, you know, until we get some Abu Dhabi owners, then uh, so be it. And unfortunately, that that's the fact of life. Um, I think it's just a sign of where some clubs are. We lost the Leicester's kids at home last year. 
which you know really is a sign of the times like i said but um we're still in it all the kids teams have been knocked out at the quarterfinal stage and ultimately football is about winning things and having some memories you know play seeing someone play in a, a cup final i guess of wembley i don't uh, i don't know if that's been a bit patronizing being like it was only that you know good good luck the next time we're going to reach uh, an fa cup final so yeah, really, it's a competition that I think you shouldn't aim to get knocked out of that early on. There's some very funny results in it, but it's uh, yeah, it's one that goes a bit under the radar, uh, but uh, lower league uh, fans. Yeah, deservedly under the radar as well, in in my opinion. You know, Charlton don't average huge amounts of fans anymore, like they might have done in the Premier League years, but, you know, there's still 15,000 fans rocking up to home games and, you know, for these... Um, Papa John's Trophies game. It's the first time in history we were getting under a thousand fans for for a home game. So it kind of tells you how most of the uh, the league fans think of it. Uh, talking of funny results in the tournament, we did lose to Swansea under twenty ones, which I went to watch, which was rather depressing. And fair enough, one there was one Swansea away fan there. I have no idea why it was a freezing cold uh, Tuesday night, and someone made the trip down from Swansea to to watch it so fair play to him but funny enough um, you play three games in a group stage um, and two teams go through Uh, if you draw the game it goes to penalties and if you win the penalty shootout you get an extra point and Cholton actually managed to record their biggest victory in history in last seasons um, two seasons ago um, Papa John's Trophy um, it was what was it called back then? Checker Trade Trophy. Uh, we beat Stevenage eight yep. 0 away. An eighteen-year-old left back scored a hat trick on his debut, and yet we still didn't go through the group stage. <laughs> we still got knocked out in a five-game group stage. Fair play. Um, but yeah, I, it just shows you how how funny that tournament is. But I think it's I think is the the question is is to what benefit i mean really it's, it's just a, it's just a trial this i mean quite a few of the the premier league kids teams got through to the knockouts i mean i don't know how much attention dan's paid to it at all man united lost 3-2 to accrington we did yeah should, and uh police scored should man united kids i mean accrington they're, they're actually on a very good run of form um and sitting very well in the league but should manchester united I mean, Man U lost to Accrington, Man City lost to Tranmere, Leicester only beat Salford on penalties and then just lost to, to Tranmere. Um, Arsenal's kids lost 3-0 to Wimbledon, West Ham lost 3-0 to Peterborough. At, at what stage do you think you think this this is an experiment that's not actually going anywhere? Oh, see, I thought, because we didn't join it until, I think, last season or this season. I think it was last season we joined it. Um, I thought it was actually quite a good idea to give our chance for our reserve team to play play some men's football because the under-23 league needs scrapping. It's just complete and utter tosh. Um, and it doesn't serve any benefit. It's way off the standard of men's football. It's way off the standard of Premier League football. Like There's just no comparison. So I thought it was quite I th- a good idea. I think, idea that's, I think that's the problem is it's a... A good idea for a, a Man U fan, but it's it's not a good idea for a League One or League Two fan, really. You know, we've got a very tight fixture fixture schedule. 
Um, and we're being forced to play like Huddersfield under 23s on a Tuesday night when we've got a big game on Saturday. And not only that, but the um, EFL will fine you if you make, I, I don't know the exact number at the top of my head, but something like if you make more than five changes from your league game, you get fined. It should be it should be a choice if, if Charlton want to play their kids in the tournament as well. Why not? Why have Charlton got risk injuries in a pointless, arguably pointless game against these under 23s? It's. It's a bit bit frustrating and a bit patronising for, for those teams. But, you know, it is a good opportunity for the bigger teams' kids. But I'd argue there's probably probably better place to go out on loan and get experience rather than favour the Premier League academies over the League One and League Two clubs. Well, with these that... academies, nine of them finished bottom of their groups this year. What does yeah. that tell you about it? I mean, one of those clubs was Chelsea. And I think Chelsea are the only one to have actually... Um, reached a semi-final and then I, I, I can't remember if they they played Lincoln and I can't remember if they got thrashed in it or they took it to penalties so that's <laughs> okay there's a yeah. bit of a difference there um, it does produce some funny games though like Sunderland we beat Villa's kids 8-1 which is you know like Luke was saying about Charlton um, we beat Carlisle 5-3 there's some quite interesting scorelines in it but even if fans are allowed a lot of fans don't go to it, but so we're we saying that uh, it's uh, something that hasn't quite worked out. Then I think it's just a long, ongoing story of the footballing bodies favouring. Of course, they're going to favour the the bigger clubs, the Premier League clubs. The Premier League clubs, you'd argue they want it, even though obviously Manchester United didn't join it for a few years. Um, it's it's good for them, and they they're going to favour those teams. But for a lot of Smaller clubs, it was kind of the final straw. It's just, you know, what what are they doing? They're really kind of taking the biscuit out of us now. And that's why fan numbers drop so much. You know, you had the Johnson's Paint Trophy. That was always kind of known as a, a Mickey Mouse Cup. But people did care a bit about that. You know, attendances were a lot higher than they are for these Papa John's Trophy. Although, of course, uh, Sutherland Pawns within the final did, did uh, end up with a full Wembley Stadium. But, you know, that's what people do at the sniff sniff of a trophy. I mean, I think that's what it's good for though, isn't it? Because you can't have, if a Premier League academy was getting to the latter stages of this, I'd argue it's even more pointless. I understand the frustration of you guys having to field a strong team while we just field kids all the time. But as a, as a football fan in general, the fact that you get to see a lower league team go to Wembley or has a higher chance of going to Wembley for all right, maybe it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse competition, but it's still a trophy. Like Sunderland haven't been to Wembley that Excuse often me? in, in but twice, living twice memory. Twice in twenty nineteen, thank you. Yeah, but that's what I was about to get onto. As that year aside, they haven't been to Wembley very often, if at all, in our lifetime. So well, uh, I think that shows you know. the decline. In twenty nineteen, we're in a League One player final, and twenty fourteen, we're beating Man City in a League Cup final at half time. Half time <laughs> says it all. <laughs> Well, the game's finished after 45 but still, minutes, yeah. don't they? But, um, they, they but yeah, do, no, yeah. Port, for example, you know, you're talking about Portsmouth and the importance of finals there. They haven't actually played last year's final yet. And obviously, this is a, a money issue because Portsmouth fans bought 50,000 tickets for it. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure what you're going to do about that because I, how long are you going to delay this final? I mean, there was a fast, uh, slightly farcical thing in, in Scotland 
I mean, if no one's paying attention to the uh, EFL trophy, I'm not sure he's paying attention to the, the Scottish Cup. <laughs> but um, Celtic played Hibs and uh, is at heart. Sorry, Christ, that was awful. <laughs> um, and uh, Craig Gordon got a winner and losers medal in, for the same competition. <laughs> Because um, he was at Celtic the first before lockdown, and then after lockdown, well, this season rather, he was at um, Hearts. So it just shows really where um, I suppose you know it's the same with the FA Cup. They've done the two rounds at the first time, uh, at the same time for the first time. You've got all these finals, the League Cup final being put back to April. You've got all these Premier League games building up now, and I suppose you've got to wonder. Um, you know, we do have a bit of a deadline with the Euros coming up, but with all these matches having to be put back, postponed, rearranged, where's where's the season going to go from here with the rising cases? I think if if worse comes to worse, they could potentially push back the Euros, but whether they do that is a, probably not too likely considering I, I don't know how it's... Going in the rest of Europe, obviously, cases have been rising everywhere. Um, but whether the Spanish league's been experiencing the same, you know, the Portuguese league, so on, whether they're, they're experiencing similar issues or not. Um, I, f- I think at the end of the day, the Premier League is going to be totally fine. I think they won't really have too much issues um, f- uh, finishing their fixture list. It's, it's the lower leagues that might be more problematic, but, you know, who, who really cares about League One? I don't think UEFA are going to be like, oh, Charlton have got to play Swindon Town uh, and they've got four players in the Euros. We, we better postpone postpone the tournament a couple of months. Um, I think they'll just be like, yeah, do, do what you want. But... I'm, I'm not so sure the Premier League is a guaranteed guaranteed to finish before the Euros either, though. I mean, it started late. I mean, teams have already had two or three games called off, some teams. Villa have, must be approaching that now. Spurs obviously had their fixture rearranged with Fulham. Um, well, the Villa fixture postponed and the fixture rearranged with Fulham. Um, to be honest, I'd be in favour of just completely scrapping the Euros and pretending it's not happened because the, you've got the World Cup coming up as well. And I don't see how you're going to fit the Euros, then another Premier League season with supposedly full domestic competitions um, and then a World Cup. I just don't think it's feasible. So I would be quite happy just to sack the Euros off completely. I think that's um, the and then think that is the opinion on a few. I think the Euros is definitely not going to be cancelled again. They've definitely got the logistics for it to go ahead now, even with the current ongoing pandemic, unless things really do take a turn for the worse. But I think with the way things are going, it's it's looking better. Um, England's kind of past its peak again. Um, but what about with the new strain? Though? Well, even with the new strain, we we've still gone past this third wave, second wave peak. Um, so, you know, hopefully things are taking a turn for the better. And even during that peak, you know, it was only a handful of Premier League games that did have to get postponed. Um, I, re- I really don't think the Euro should be postponed, probably from a selfish reason. You know, it, it's going to be a fantastic summer. The Euros can go ahead. Obviously, there's almost definitely going to be no fans there. But I, I think it would be disastrous if they cancelled the Euros, to be honest. It's not the only thing that could be... I mean, I guess it does come to priorities. Um, it'd be quite interesting, really, for the Euros. I mean, I guess a lot of people do view the actual finals tournament as a, the elite level of sport. But, you know, what people think of international football compared to the Premier League in general. But 
you do have a situation where, um, you know, obviously below National League North and South, their games aren't being played. No one's bothered about that from the mainstream point of view, arguably, which is, you know, a bit of a shame. But if it gets to the point where, you know, League One, League Two has to be done on points per game again, and that's two seasons of doing that, why are you going to spend money, make all the plans, and then not even be able to guarantee your season can finish? And it's, you know, obviously the money's there in the Premier League and, and with the UEFA that they can, you know, drop this tournament in whenever they like. They did it with the Nations League, so I'm sure they can play around with it. But if, if you know, League One, League Two goes to points per game again, which was so problematic last time, what, what's the point playing football if you can't guarantee mm. finishing a season? I think the, um, on the grassroots, kind of below National League North, South level, I, I think more needs to be done you know they, they've been massively messed around they're, they're losing out on all their revenue obviously but also you know clubs have, have played two seasons and might not be getting anything out of it I've, I've heard rumors that you know they might combine last season and this season and take the points per game um, which it seems like a feasible solution but I, I don't think it'll be popular and clubs clubs that haven't done so well will definitely vote against it, especially anyone who's who's getting relegated. On the Euros point, if you were to get to the semi-final stage, I don't know, say England versus France and the whole England squad catches COVID and has to self-isolate, what do you do? Do you postpone the final or do you award France a bye? I think the final's the least of the worries. I think it's it's if it happens in the group stage to a couple couple of big teams. Well, not even the big teams. In, In terms of the fixtures... Two, three, four teams got it or something. You got no time to rearrange these games. Exactly. It's, it's and every international break, there seems to be loads of cases in the international teams. No, no. I just don't understand why they why they would allow this to continue. Just suck. I it think you just have to hope that they've got the management in place where they can avoid this. You know, Formula One. I know it's arguably a bit of a a more educated. Uh, sport uh, people in the sport but you know I, I think they did incredibly well to keep coronavirus cases to the minimum and you know when they did you didn't see for example the entire Red Bull engineer crew having to be out it would just be like the, the odd driver every now and then um, so yeah but this is the thing the odd to F1 is in terms of manpower you'd argue is less well than no because you've got you've got these you you've got these garages you've got these garages full of engineers and if the entire garage had yeah, to self isolate, think... and there you go, you're pretty screwed. Whereas in, fo- in yeah, football, I'd argue staff... that there's more, much more staff in F1 than in football. So I, I, I think, no, I think I they think managed so. it well, and I'd like to hope that football could do the same. You know, we're expecting to have these. Well, we've got them in place now. These 30 minute rapid flow tests. If you if you could do that every morning to every staff member, then you could quickly, you know, self isolate anyone that. Test positive. I, I think they will will definitely have all of these in place. There's no way UEFA is going to go into the tournament with this being a possible option where an entire squad can be out. And I guess if worse comes to worse, you know, England fly fly, uh, fly out Conor Gallagher and the uh, under twenty one squad to to play in the place of the senior team. Do you think though it could be taken out of their hands in terms of individual countries? So potentially Boris turning around and going, "Well, we're not." I'm sorry, but we're not allowing a team to travel to the Euro. I, I don't do it. Another, I mean, another... g- given that he's allowed, well, given, it's an example. Not given that Boris, most, but as in like given other that most countries. countries have allowed the Premier League to go on. Given that the Euros is going to be in the summer when cases are naturally a lot lower, 
I don't think any country that's qualified for the Euros it's... is going to pull out of it. You know, I feel like I've, it's, it's, it's a safe. It will be. A, it will be a safe bubble. I think it's the summer as well. I think it will be be a bit a bit better by then. Maybe that's a bit optimistic, but I don't see any way they're going to cancel the Euros. Think... And, and if someone does pull pull a country out, then so be it. Either award award three points to each team in their group, or you know, just get get on with it and replace it with a a lucky loser. But think think about how when the last World Cup was on. One of the massive pluses of the last World Cup was the fact that we had a good summer. Everyone was allowed to group together, drink, be social. We're going to have none but of it's still, But it's still the Euros and, tournament. Uh, I don't... Yeah, but I just... There, there won't be the same buzz about it. And I don't think if we cancel the Euros, in, like, as, a, as a nation, I don't think we're going to miss out on much, to be perfectly honest. Because the whole point of a, of a international tournament is it brings a country together. We're all going to be stuck in... Fucking bubbles, or I don't know. I think the whole point of an international tournament is they make a lot of money from it. And they're going to be, and they're going to be very well. They well, they're concerned they're going to lose out on hundreds of millions of pounds, aren't they? And ultimately, but they're going to they've already lost out on millions because no fans will be in attendance. Well, they haven't, well, they've still got that money at the minute, so they haven't lost it yet, and they're still accounting for it having fans. So no chance. I think, no I think it's chance. more the TV money, but I mean, I guess to to wrap it up, you you just you, it's probably too early to say. But with the Euros, but obviously, if someone said to you, "Oh, let's get people flying in from all over a continent to play some games of football on a confined time period," and they're going to not just be flying into one country, they're going to be flying all over to play these games, you'd say it's probably not a good idea right now. Precisely. Yeah. Just send the Grand Tour caster with some cars over to Argentina. That create the same sort of bus. I think just look at it the way the English system's going on. You know, you still got ninety-two teams playing in in a well, not even ninety-two. It's going down to National League North and South, and you know. I was about to say there aren't ninety-two teams playing consistently. Yeah, but you say there? you say that, <laughs> but we're right. Minute. We're right at the winter peak right now, and you've still got you know to the six top tiers of English football are still going on relatively well. Yes, League One might have had a fair few fixtures postponed at one point up to 50%, but come the summer, um, the cases, even in a kind of worst case scenario, will probably be a, a tenth of, of the winter peak. Um, so you, if you can have the top six tiers of England going ahead with without even any testing in the, the bottom of those four tiers, I, I see no reason why the Euros can't go ahead with 24 teams um, all very well paid, who will, well, most of them very well paid, all having, you know, learnt lots of lessons from what's gone on in the world the last year and a half and how to deal with it a bit better. So I think the Euros will go ahead. Yes, it won't be as great as World Cup 2018 when we could all freely roam around, but, you know, it's still the Euros. I'm still looking forward to it. I'm still going to be disappointed by England, but it's, it's still going to be a great tournament. And we'll all, when England get to the final at Wembley, we'll all go. So, uh, yeah, in your dreams. <laughs> Even if they do get to the final, none of us are going to be going. So it's going to be crap. I don't think that's the point. Like, I don't think any of us would be able to go to a final in normal would it times. Demean it? Would it demean it if we said, "Oh, England, England have won a European Championships"? When you sat debating with some 
foreigner in a bar somewhere in 10 years' time. Oh, yeah, England will win a Euros, you know. And they'd be like, yeah, but it was 2020. It wasn't a proper one. I think the, <laughs> the only way that would happen is if, you know, squads did have to self-isolate and play a completely different set of players. Um, no, I think, think going looking back at history, it, it will be have like a nice asterisk next to it, but you know, it will still mean the same. And you know, I, I get that we can't go, but it's it's gold that's to get an England ticket for any tournament anywhere, so it's no different to normal in that front. We wouldn't be able to go anyway, yeah. But I'd be at least be able to gather with all you lot and have a drink and, and watch the game. And well, enjoy if the Euros was in the summer of 2020 in England, you could have done that. Um, with the whole rule of six, so you know, maybe maybe that will come into place this summer as well. And I'll see, I'll see you down. Yeah, but see you down the like... boozer for a pint of Star of Brahman and with the Czech Republic game on, even but... though they haven't qualified, have they? If there's anything like that, one of us will be standing all. <laughs> oh, the they haven't qualified. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll enjoy a nice pint of Star of Brahman watching Czech Republic England. The beers are available. Sake. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, they're not preferred. I think that's an interesting topic um, to leave this episode on, unless uh, you guys have got anything you want to bring up in the whole footballing world. No, no, just thanks, thanks to the five listeners so far. Well, you can say thanks to the five listeners. It's uh, thirteen views in total. These things grow um, exponentially, but you know we've got uh, viewers in Vietnam, so. Howdy, um, viewers in the USA, and I don't know how to say hello in Vietnamese, and I was going to do it, and I messed it up. <laughs> um, viewers in America, howdy, and viewers in India, I don't know, hello in any Indian language either, so hello there, um, and thank you everyone for listening. Um, we hope you stay safe in these times, and you know we, we look forward to producing more episodes for you.